You are Locked On Vikings, your daily Minnesota Vikings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is up, everybody? Welcome to the Wednesday episode of Locked On Vikings. It is crossover Wednesday. We are going to have Lauren Cox from Locked On Bears on in just a little bit. I am, of course, your host, your pal, and the kid you copied off in math class. My name is Luke Braun. You can find me on Twitter at LukeBraunNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at LockedOnVikings. You can find this show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts, like Spotify, Himalaya, whatever you like. Or you can simply ask your smart device, like Alexa, Google Home, Siri, Play Podcast Locked On Vikings takes you right to the most recent episode. And before we get to Crossover Wednesday and the interview with Lauren Cox, we'll be talking all about the Chicago Bears. A lot of really interesting nuggets that came from him. Uh, Really enjoyed that interview. But first, we have to talk about a little bit of old friend news. The Vikings brought in a couple of familiar faces on Tuesday. So all of this, of course, is born out of Chad Beebe going on IR. Not only was he the third wide receiver on the team, and he was also the primary punt returner. So that kind of created a couple of needs for the Vikings. He was, a, I guess, a more valuable role player than I ever really thought about. Uh, so he had to go on IR because of an injury he sustained in the Raiders game. The Vikings also waived Devontae Downs, who appears to be that kind of last guy on the roster that gets waived to make room when you need room. They brought in Laquan Treadwell, of all people, and Marcus Sherrills, who they didn't even uh, determine to re-sign in the offseason. I think they wanted to, if I remember they wanted to, but they just couldn't afford him. I mean, you know, you remember how tight cap stuff was. It'll be the same way next offseason. So they let him go to the same Saints, where he ended up on IR, but he was only put on IR because the Saints determined they didn't need him, I guess, and he wasn't, like, hurt enough to need to take eight games off, like, typically on IR, so he was waived with an injury settlement, hits free agency, comes back to the Vikings, and they bring back old friend Laquan Treadwell, so there's a lot to unpack about this. It's mostly funny with Treadwell. I don't think he really moves the needle on the offense, in my opinion. I mean, I talked about him. If you were with me during the preseason, you know my opinion on this guy. I don't think that he's a rosterable wide receiver anymore. I think it's time to move on. Uh, I I think maybe there's a psychology to getting cut and then not getting a chance anymore. And now, you know, you come back and you're a little bit more, you're you're less like trying to erase a bad history and more like trying to prove something as the underdog. And maybe there's a different psychology there. I do think that like there was an emotional issue with Laquan Treadwell in Minnesota just because of the way that things had gone for him and the expectations and not living up to it and all that. I, I think that affected him and maybe things will be different this time around, but he still is just like extremely limited in skill set. He is not very good at generating separation with his routes. He's not particularly athletic. He's not even that good at winning contested catches, which was kind of the whole point of him coming out of the draft. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, four weeks from now, we're talking about Ola B.C. Johnson as the wide receiver three and Laquan Treadwell as like a depth piece and a punt gunner. And honestly, right now, the Vikings have used 11 personnel something like 18% of the time, which uh, the average NFL team uses 11 personnel, three wide receivers, 61% of the time. So this is ultimately a a low-octane impact on the offense. You know, it's like talking about a a switch in the tight end three race. It's not going to really change the complexion of the offense that's going to run through Kyle Rudolph and Irv Smith and, of course, Diggs, Thielen, and Cook way more than it runs through the hypothetical Chad Beebe, Laquan Treadwell, Ola B.C. Johnson, or even they they had brought in like Jordan Matthews or somebody like Michael Crabtree, who was cut from the the Cardinals. Any of those guys will have less impact than the potential of Irv Smith, positively or negatively, will have on this offense, because Irv Smith is probably just going to play more snaps, plus extra fullback usage. But... 
there was another addition, an old friend in Marcus Sherrills, the 10-year cockroach. He found a way to make the roster, even though he didn't even start the preseason on it. Uh, so Marcus Sherrills, again, he goes to the Saints as a you know special teamer and a, and a depth corner and whatever. He ends up on IR, gets away with an injury settlement, and comes back to his home. Uh, the, the book on Marcus Sherrills, and this is pretty refreshing because Chad Beebe did muff a couple of punts, and it's like a thing. Mike Zimmer was even asked about it after the game... Uh, versus Oakland, and, and he was like, yeah, no, you can't muff him. I got to look at it closely, but you can't muff him. And it turned out the decision was made for him because of the injury. But Marcus Sherrills has the surest punt-catching punch, punt hands you could ever ask for. He doesn't fumble them. I don't think he has the athleticism he used to have when he was, you know, a younger kid returning them for touchdowns, and I, I wouldn't expect any touch. I mean, that I would explode if he did return one for a touchdown. That would be awesome. I wouldn't expect it, uh, but I would expect reasonable returns. I would expect him to choose his lanes properly, and mo most importantly, I'd expect him not to muff them. This also helps you keep Mike Hughes, who's still coming off of a big knee injury, out of those particularly dangerous plays, which does, you know, it does matter. I don't think that's why you should make the decision, but hey, sure, it helps. And the other thing I want to quickly touch on, because it's kind of, I saw a couple of articles come here, and this has kind of gotten out of hand. Uh, the Vikings aren't trying to trade Stefan Diggs. Have you guys seen this? This is insane. So uh, basically what happened was, I'm sorry, uh, Saxy Prince, I'm going to put you on blast. So... <laughs> What happened was after the Oakland game, Stefan Diggs, who was open all game again, but didn't get targeted because, you know, he just decided that Kirk just decided to throw to Irv Smith a couple times who had a great game or, you know, Thielen or whatever, or they just ran a lot. Stefan Diggs hasn't been used a lot this year, right? And uh, Saxy Prince tweets out something like, man, if they don't, he's going to get upset if they don't start using him because he was tweeting his, you know, classic, like cryptic, God is very good, good team win, you know, like he, he kind of seemed maybe a little upset about it if you wanted to try to read into it. Uh, and so that was a, a speculative tweet that he just kind of threw out there and a whole bunch of people latched onto it. Like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard, blah, blah, blah. But then the tweet got attention and somehow somebody misunderstood it as dig as, as rumors that Diggs wanted a trade. I think it got mentioned on, on KFan. There was an article over at the Viking Age, which I will not link. And ultimately it went from a fairly reasonable speculation that, hey, a wide receiver that's getting open all the time and not getting targeted might be kind of upset about that to like rumors of a Stefan. It's not, they're not going to trade him, man. He's not demanding a trade. Obviously, if the team, you know, drops six games in a row, all bets are off and anything can happen. But right now, I, I think if anything he's frustrated about, it's that he's getting open and not getting targeted. But that's something to work out with your quarterback and fix in the offense, not something to demand out of Minnesota for. I, I don't think that the Vikings are even particularly interested in getting rid of him. If ever there were a short list of players that are completely locked in and not for sale at all, I'd put like, Daniil Hunter on that list, I'd put Harrison Smith on that list, I'd put Diggs and Thielen on that list. So I just wanted to put that out there really quick, sorry for blasting you, Saxy Prince, I know you didn't mean it to, to get out of hand this way, but it is pretty funny. But with that, it's time to uh, talk to Lauren Cox of, of Locked On Bears. This is a really great interview, we're going to get to it in just a minute. But first, I want to talk to you about going to games. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app helps help you get to your favorite live event. Enter promo code KICKOFF at checkout to receive a discount of up to $100. Also, as this is the Nerd Football Podcast, I would like to talk to you a little bit about learning. Of course, to really truly deep dive into a subject that, that interests you, be it football or something else, you need to take time, right? You need to sit down and you don't really always have the luxury of doing that. But what if you could sit down and read a book in 15 minutes, get all the major points out of it, and then be able to go and move on with your life and apply that knowledge? Well, there's this new app called Blinkist. 
It works on your phone, tablet, there's even a web browser for it, and it takes books and condenses them down to 15 minutes of information. It takes everything that the book is trying to say and boils it down into these nice, concise summaries that then you can consume in like a reasonable amount of time. That's so great for self-improvement because if you just need to get one thing real quick, you can get one thing. Or if you do want to spend two hours to dedicate to, to reading books and improving yourself, you can get so much more in if you use Blinkist. Now, I know a lot of you listening to this show on your commutes to and from work. A lot of people tell me, hey, I listen to your show on my way or, you know, to or, or home from work. And usually, depending on your commute, this show might only get you one way. A Blinkist book might get you the other way. You can listen to it while you're cooking, while you're working out, and you can spend that time improving yourself instead of getting bogged down in the cycle of daily life. They actually have uh, one of my favorite books of all time, Emotional Intelligence by Daniel Goleman. I'm a super sucker for these, like, psychology books, and that one is one of my favorites. So go check it out. Blinkist.com, B-L-I-N-K-I-S-T.com. And if you go to Blinkist.com slash locked on, you can actually try it for free for seven days, and then when it comes time to actually buy a subscription, it's 25% off. That's Blinkist.com slash locked on to try it for free seven days, see if you like it, and if you do like it, 25% off when it's time to hook in. So go start your free trial right now. That's Blinkist.com slash LockedOn. I also want to talk to you about your relationship. Are you working hard enough? Are you doing enough for your partner? You should, right? You should work just as hard at that as you do in anything in life, which is why you should go check out Blue Chew. Blue Chew is the first tablet, chewable tablet of its kind. It has the same active ingredients as Viagra and Cialis, so you know what we're talking about here. But as it's a chewable, it kicks in twice as fast. So when the moment's right, you don't have to sit around waiting for a pill to kick in. It's made right here in the United States and ships directly to your door in a nice discreet package so you can skip the pharmacy, skip the awkwardness, and that makes it a little bit cheaper. And hey, Blue Chew isn't just for like men of a certain age who maybe can't keep up the way that they used to. This is for anybody who's looking to improve themselves for their partner. And come on, who can say no to that? So go check out bluechew.com right now. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com right now. Check out promo code uh, locked on when you buy it and you can try it for free, no cost. The first one's on me. That's bluechew.com, promo code locked on. Try it for free today. Okay, I'm here with Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. How's it going, man? Hey, it's going well. I know both of these teams have had some interesting starts to the season, and I think we're both kind of looking forward to seeing what the other gets in this divisional matchup in week four. Yeah, this is a like weirdly important September game. This is one that's probably going to come up later when it comes time to start, you know, doing playoff playoff seating and stuff. So there's there's a lot riding on this one. And it's obviously, I, I guess for us, for Vikings fans, it's the like infamous soldier field game where the Vikings always go and lay an egg. They're like one in nine in these in the last decade. So there's definitely a lot of like curses to, uh, to contend with. Yeah, it's it, it seems like the matchups between these two teams, you know, even in Minnesota, it's just been some weird things. It's never been like you know, totally a domination in, in, you know, in, in, like in the game necessarily, but for whatever reason, what, what you end up kind of throwing out some of the things that had happened in previous games. And it's a little bit of a, a clean slate when these two teams play. Yeah, it's uh it's a new look. I guess it's a new look uh, unit on both sides of the ball for, I guess let's start with the Vikings on offense, the bears on defense, because the bears have, you know, Chuck Pagano going Vikings have this Gary Kubiak, Kevin Stefanski hybrid machine happening. And it's like a totally different uh, off, uh, staff on both sides when, when the ball is, is in the Vikings possession. So I guess where I want to start is just learning about what's different between what Vic Fangio is doing and what Pagano is now doing 
uh, on the Bears. I know a lot of the personnel is carried over, not all of it, but a lot of it. But like schematically, is is Pagano just kind of trying to replicate what Vic Fangio is doing, or is he kind of using his own stuff? It's largely been not trying to reinvent the wheel, right? I mean, this was a defense that was number one in the NFL last season, and Pagano knows he didn't have to come in and you know completely put his own mark on it and change what they were doing to try and make them bigger and better. And when you just sort of have these talented players, your job as the coordinator is to just put them in the best position to be successful. And, and Vic Fangio was doing quite a bit of that in his time in Chicago. So Pagano didn't need to shake things up too much. But we have seen, you know, small adjustments here and there. And and I get the impression that Pagano wants to kind of unveil more as the season goes on and not just take all his bag of tricks and throw it out there as er, this early. So, you know, for example, Pagano has a little bit more of a reputation for blitzing than than Vic Fangio did through the first two games. That wasn't drastically different. Last week against Washington, they really brought the house against Case Keenum. But I, I have a feeling from a, a scheme standpoint, that will be more specific to certain opponents and game plans and quarterbacks that they feel like sending extra rushers can be more effective against and, and not just a, a a blanket strategy across the board. So perhaps a little bit more in that regard. And, and with HaHa Clinton Dix coming in at safety, replacing Adrian Amos alongside Eddie Jackson, We've seen the Bears go to more two deep coverages at times. It hasn't been like drastically different, but they were more focused on single deep coverages, both man and zone under Fangio. And I think with Clinton Dix and Jackson both being a little bit better on the deep areas of the field, I think we've seen them lean just a little bit more in that direction than we have with Vic Fangio. But it's funny because I think it is a similar type of thing with the Vikings offense in the sense that like you look at their roster and they haven't like drastically changed offensive personnel and maybe a few guys here and there, but it's the same skill position and quarterback and everything like that offensive line, a little tweaking here and there, but, but how has, how has that looked from Minnesota's perspective? I mean, I know they've had some, some pretty nice offensive performances mixed in with some struggles early on in green Bay, but how, how has sort of the ups and downs been for Minnesota? Yeah, the the biggest change is that in 2018 they were like maybe dead last in running the football. They just like they couldn't even convert third and ones. It was atrocious. It was one of the reasons John D. Filippo got fired midseason. Uh, and this year they've come out and they have like a league leading or you know first or second like type run game. They've been generating a ton of explosive plays. They have 22 explosive runs, uh, which if I cast a wide net for that. It's 10 plus yards or touchdowns. But they have 22 of those plays so far in three games, which is pretty insane. Uh, they've just like figured out the zone run scheme. I mean, this is the same Gary Kubiak scheme that produced like Terrell Davis back in the day, produced Arian Foster, and now Dalvin Cook gets to be the next be- beneficiary. And that has really like paid off in the way that it was promised in the offseason. The passing offense is still fairly mysterious. Uh, for one, the Vikings have just been the most run heavy team in the league, uh, and they've been generating enough yards to like basically justify it although that's kind of a a point a topic of debate of like whether or not being this run heavy is even a good thing um but the like Kirk Cousins Adam Thielen Stephon Diggs game hasn't been seen a lot they needed to use it a little bit in uh, the Lambeau Field game in week two it went horribly Kirk Cousins was just totally off it was maybe the worst game of his career um and then in the other two games the Vikings have jumped out to 21 to 0 leads in like six seconds So they didn't really have a reason to pass for the rest of the game. So the passing offense and especially what Kevin Stefanski will do, which has always been fascinating because he's been with the Vikings for like 12 years. He was there when Childress was there. He was there for Pat Shermer. He was there for 
you know, the Leslie Frazier, Bill Musgrave era, all the way through John Filippo and everybody, Norv Turner. So he's seen all of those schemes, and we've seen this kind of, like, conglomeration of a bunch of different schematic plays. But the actual answer to the question, like, what scheme will Kevin Stefanski run, still hasn't really been answered. There's been a lot of under-center. I believe they are the most under-center-heavy team in the league. So there's not a lot of shotgun. There's not, you know, they, they've used a ton of play action, obviously, because they've been running the ball so much. They feel very comfortable running play action. And Kirk Cousins is historically a very good play action quarterback. He gets more of a boost than other quarterbacks does when you run play action. So they're strongly incentivized to do that. And, you know, that comes with a whole bunch of like bootlegs and rollouts and, you know, cross country concepts and, and deep crossers and things like that, trying to kind of stretch horizontally and vertically at the same time with those really good wide receivers you have. Um, they don't really have a third wide receiver. They just signed Laquan Treadwell uh, the day we're recording this Tuesday. So that kind of tells you like where they're at. They have four wide receivers on the active roster. And one of them is a seventh round pick, BC Johnson. And the other one is Laquan Treadwell, who sucks out loud. So they really have been relying on the two tight ends, Kyle Rudolph and the second round pick, Irv Smith, as like their skill players. Uh, and that's kind of your receiving core, Diggs, Thielen, Rudolph, Irv Smith, and then Dalvin Cook out of the backfield. And when, when you talk about those successful runs from Cook, you know, he's obviously taken, not, not taken the league by storm, but really strong start to his season. How, how much of that has been offensive line based? I mean, obviously Dalvin Cook, once you break through that, that first push when you're into the second level, you know, Dalvin Cook is then the difference between a, a seven yard run and a 27 yard run. But you know, how much has it been, you know, opened up for him up front? I, I know the offensive line has been an issue in the past for Minnesota. Has that been improved in the running game or is this just Dalvin Cook being great? Yeah. So yeah, obviously you have to like spring the run loose in the first place. doesn't matter how good your running back is if he's getting clobbered three yards behind the line of scrimmage by a good three technique. So uh, the, the line has to have played some degree of well. And looking over the tape of all of those like explosive plays in the times when they were successful, which are pretty numerous, uh, you see a lot of very sound positioning. Um, guys are getting their reach blocks. That's why they drafted Garrett Bradbury in the first round, even though he's been kind of a disaster in pass protection, both Grady Jarrett and uh, Kenny Clark ate his lunch and like put up like career days against him. So if Akeem Hicks does go, or even Eddie Goldman, like you can probably ex like start Eddie Goldman in your IDP league. <laughs> um, that's a, a huge mismatch. But in the run game, he's been pretty good at like getting to the right spot. You know, using the mobility that the Vikings drafted him for. And everybody on the offensive line has been like, and Mike Zimmer even called this out, like people are really good at just getting into the right place. And in a zone run scheme, getting into the right place is almost more important than like winning once you get there. Because once you're in the right position, then it's up to Dalvin Cook to kind of leverage that position. And he's so, so good at setting up blocks that he makes it so that even if you get dusted, your angle was bad in the first place because Dalvin Cook can, you know, manipulate the spacing so well. So I, I do think that it's a combination. Obviously, the offensive line has to win before the run even has a chance. But, you know, chewing up the yards that the offensive line gives you, I guess, is the running back's job. And Dalvin Cook is, honestly, I, I would put him top three in the league right now. He's having a phenomenal year. Yeah, and I know from a Bears standpoint, they haven't been able to have the running game success that they've been looking for to try and support Mitchell Trubisky. You know, they draft David Montgomery in the third round. They sign Mike Davis as a free agent, and they kind of go in the year with 
seemingly more running back talent than they knew what to do with in terms of being able to find carries for everybody. But through three games, we've seen them at times abandon the running game and, and try and stick with it and take the, the ball out of Mitchell Trubisky's hands in certain situations. And, and he's kind of had his issues of his own. But I know that the team has struggled to really create that space from the offensive line that with an offensive line that was once a strength for this Bears team is becoming more and more of a weakness, despite it being literally the same five starters as it was last year. So that that's sort of one of the lingering mysteries there, particularly when it comes to the running game, because some of the things you're talking about with Cook in terms of his ability to make guys miss and create yards for himself, we're seeing a lighter version of that with David Montgomery and, and really living up to a lot of the billings that we saw for him as a young draft pick for the Bears. But He's only getting so many opportunities to even carry the ball, and when he is carrying the ball, the offensive line isn't giving him much space. So it, it's, it'll be interesting to see how these two teams sort of balance that dynamic of, of the running game just because Minnesota's been so successful at it. Chicago's been pretty darn good at stopping it over the last season and a half, and the Bears still trying to figure out how to get their ground game going. And I, you know, I look at like the Vikings' defense done a, a very good job so far you know, stopping the run in, in, you know, in certain situations, Green Bay, a little bit of an exception there, but Atlanta and Oakland not getting a ton going against them. What, what has been sort of the, the secret to their success? And I guess what went wrong against Green Bay? Yeah. So I, I think this, the key, I guess the way I'll, I'll try to answer this is to like the key to stopping any run game is to load the box, right? That's what everybody always knows to do. Put eight guys in the box and make them beat you through the air. And with, with Green Bay, Green Bay just scored immediately on their first three drives, including I think there was a turnover in there too. So the Vikings got down 21-0, and that changed the whole game script, and you couldn't use that Dalvin Cook run game. Although they, they did you know, still kind of stay patient and use that run game. Um, but a lot of that Green Bay game was just caused by Kirk Cousins making inexcusable mistakes, throwing horrid interceptions, missing wide open receivers, not reading the field. He was just like horrible, horrible in that game in a way that we hadn't seen before. So, of course, it caused all kinds of real fun debates on this side of uh, of the Mississippi. But uh, I, I think the challenge that the Vikings present to you is if you try to load the box, they have used a ton of like jet motion and pre-snap motion to manipulate the box and basically move somebody from the front side of the play to the back side of the play. So if you're going to run left and the hat count doesn't add up, you know, there's maybe five on five and that's really difficult to run five on five because that's five different guys that could screw up your play. You would then take the tight end or the wide receiver or whatever and motion him across the formation. One of those defenders will follow him across the formation or if it's zone, the whole thing shifts over. But either way, you got a guy out of that side of the box and now suddenly you have a much more favorable four on four, which is way easier. So I think the key to countering the Vikings is to be cognizant of that. And when the Vikings use pre-snap motion, you kind of have to not fall for it. And maybe that kind of like opens you up to a new issue where, well, if you're not following guys across the formation, now you're letting the Vikings dictate matchups in a potential passing play. But the way that Kirk Cousins looked the one time the Vikings needed him, maybe that's the way to go. And that's kind of the question that has plagued Minnesota this whole season is, okay, what happens when a team stops the run? Does Kirk Cousins fall apart or can he actually win us games? Because we haven't really asked him to win a game but once this season, and it went just about as poorly as you could conceive of it going. So that's kind of where the narrative is right now. Okay, the run game's good. Not hard to stop a run game in the in the NFL. Everybody knows you just load the box. So what happens when somebody does that? And I think that's what we're going to see here. I would imagine Chuck Pagano's not stupid, and he's just going to cram a safety in the box. Uh, I would imagine probably Clinton Dix does that, or Eddie Jackson does that. And then 
we just see what what the Vikings can accomplish when you have a safety in the box and can they scheme around that? And honestly, I don't know the answer to that. Hey guys, back in a second, but first, I want to talk to you a little bit about gambling. Maybe this uh, episode is giving you a little bit of a feeling about how the Vikings-Bears game is going to go, and maybe you could put a little money where your mouth is. You should check out mybookie.ag. Mybookie is the best online sports book out there, and I wouldn't be saying this unless I had placed some of my own bets with them, and I have had an awesome experience. I love their website. I love how easy it is to navigate. It's so easy to just like click like two or three times, find the bet you want, tell them exactly how much you want to put down on it and it's as easy as that you're done now you just watch the game and you can maybe have a stake in a game you otherwise wouldn't have cared about obviously there's a whole bunch of crappy primetime games going on this year make them interesting maybe you predicted that case keenum would fall apart against chicago in prime time if you called that and you put a little money on it then my bookie would have been able to pay you all you have to do is be smart and you can get paid for it If you're feeling real cheeky, maybe you could try a parlay where you go all or nothing on a number of bets, and if you get them all right, your money multiplies exponentially. So go to mybookie.ag right now. That's mybookie.ag, bookie, B-O-O-K-I-E, and enter promo code LOCKEDON when you sign up, and mybookie will double your first deposit. That's free gambling money. That's mybookie.ag, enter promo code LOCKEDON, and try to turn a little bit of free money into more money. It matters who you gamble with, so choose mybookie today. And it's it's almost the same discussion that Chicago is having about Mitchell Trubisky and the the difference. Kirk Cousins being a, a 31 year old quarterback on a, a three year fully guaranteed contract, and Mitchell Trubisky still being uh, on his rookie contract, but still in his third year and, and needing to be better than he is. In the sense of like, the Bears haven't been able to rely on Trubisky to really win them a, a game. He made a great throw against the Broncos in the fourth quarter on fourth and fifteen to set up a game winning field goal, but that was one throw after a, a game of you know, check, check downs and, and not really challenging defenses over the top. And and sort of like Cousins, it's like when he's had when he's been putting those opportunities to need more, the Bears just haven't seen it from their young quarterback. And I think there's some real trepidation going up against the Minnesota Vikings defense like this that, again, shut down Matt Ryan pretty darn easily in week one and, and had very little trouble with Derek Carr. And, you know, you even look back to Aaron Rodgers in week two, not that he was, he was still able to produce, but, you know. Totally, he had the one quarter and then totally nothing. Yeah, exactly. 209 yards on 34 attempts. I mean, still two touchdowns, still took care of the ball, but they kind of just relied on their running game. So I guess where do you kind of see the the state of this Vikings defense coming into a game like this when, you know, Mitchell Trubisky might be prone to some mistakes and the Bears are going to want to try and, and keep things simple? I mean, can an offense... I mean, does how aggressive does an offense need to be to move the ball against this Vikings defense? Can will, will they give the, the Bears some yards in between the twenties and then kind of hold up in field goal range, or you know, do the Bears need to be taking some shots downfield to kind of open some things up? Yeah, so a lot of that is like game situation dependent. They they will move off to like a much softer zone if they have a big lead late in the game, like a lot of teams will. Um, but I think like for Trubisky versus the Vikings, because we've seen this now, what, four, five times or three, four times with Trubisky versus the Vikings. I think the most success the Bears have had has been with Trubisky using his legs, right? Like the the Vikings have had a big problem in the whole Mike Zimmer era with keeping contain on mobile quarterbacks. 
And like, I, I just think back to like the Sunday night game last year or the week 17 game that ended the Vikings season last year. Mitch Trubisky was converting third and tens on the ground because they didn't put a spy on him. And because, you know, the, the defensive ends didn't keep contain. And that to me was like a, this horribly inexcusable coaching mistake. But I guess on the Bears side, if you were going to look at it from that perspective, like that's Mitch Trubisky making something happen against a really good defense. So I, I think that that has to be the key is is with, you know, the Vikings like need to play disciplined and keep contained. But that kind of neuters the pass. The Vikings have like no interior pass rush right now. They had Sheldon Richardson last year. He's been replaced with Shamar Stefan, who is probably more comfortable at nose tackle uh, and their best pass rushing interior alignment. Linval Joseph's not really there to be a pass rusher. He comes off on third downs. Um but like their best pass rusher is Hercules Mata'afa right now, who was an undrafted free agent last year who tore his ACL and is kind of this total nobody that nobody's even heard of. And he might be their best pass rusher and like he's not even really starting quality. So they have no interior pass rush to speak of right now. But on the edges, Everson Griffin and Daniel Hunter have been complete wrecking balls. They're both having like all pro seasons and they've been just like destroying tackles and even good tackles like David Bakhtiari and Brian Balaga and Jake Matthews on the Falcons. So... When it comes to a mobile quarterback, which is a challenge that this particular Vikings uh, season hasn't faced yet, uh, the the edge rushers are going to have to keep contained and rely on the interior pass rushers to like get something. So like I can definitely see the recipe for that leading to Mitch Trubisky like having a bunch of time in the pocket, and then long developing routes can happen, and Matt Nagy can do his deep crossers and his kind of like yards after the catch base stuff, and suddenly you know you can get if Taylor Gabriel plays or like Allen Robinson or something, or even Cordero Patterson lined up on a linebacker and get him on a, you know, on a deep crosser. And suddenly, you know, that's like, if the bears end up winning this game and if the bears move the ball on offense, I would imagine that's what it looks like. And on the flip side, if the Vikings end up shutting down the bears, it's probably because Daniel Hunter and Everson Griffin made Mitch Trubisky make sloppy decisions under pressure. And guys like Anthony Harris, who had a couple of picks against uh, Trubisky last year, Guys like uh, Xavier Rhodes, who appears to be back to form, and even Harrison Smith start to, you know, generate turnovers, get interceptions, or even just really good pass breakups, and then uh, that causes the Bears to struggle to get something going. But I feel like, I like win or lose, that would be the color of the game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there, pretty darn step for step. Uh, you know, at some point here, that both quarterbacks are going to be challenged in this game to step up and make some plays. I mean, I think Dalvin Cook will get. Some of his yards, and it's not going to be swallowed up completely, but the Bears haven't allowed a rusher of more than 60 yards in any of the three games this season. And I think there's going to be a pretty big focus on Dalvin Cook and making Kirk Cousins have to throw, you know, like we saw in Green Bay. And that, that result hasn't been it. positive. But then at the same time, I think the Vikings are going to make Mitchell Trubisky try and stay in the pocket and have to throw and, and make some throws downfield. So with all that being said, you know, the Bears sitting at 2-1, and one, the Vikings sitting at two and one, heading into this game. Where where's your confidence level? What's your what's your general feeling on a prediction? Okay, so this is going to sound ridiculous, but there are two horrifying curses that are working against the Viking in this game. Vikings in this game. For one, the Vikings never play well in Soldier Field. Even the one time in the last like ten years that they've won the Soldier Field game, it was the one where Sam Bradford played the first half and looked like he was a corpse. The Vikings never play well in Soldier Field, and compounding that. 
the Bears are going to wear alternate uniforms. I know it sounds ridiculous, but it's a curse, and I'm sticking with it. The Bears, I believe, are 5-0 and in the last 10 years when wearing alternate uniforms against the Vikings. So I can never, ever pick the Vikings in this game as much as I want to be a homer. I think it's going to be this like ugly, drawn-out, like 16-9 to type frustrating game where neither fan base leaves feeling like their team was good. And uh, I don't know, maybe Mitch Trubisky will throw left too and just like destroy all of our takes. <laughs> yeah, I, if this wasn't in Soldier Field, I would be certainly picking the Vikings. And I'm, I still find myself kind of leaning in that direction just because I don't know that the Bears have fully proven anything yet. But I also, I, I'm also underestimating some of the real struggles that Kirk Cousins had this season. But I, I, I really do struggle with this game. I think it will be close. I think it will be ugly too. And Man, I'm like on the fly here trying to really piece out because I, I think Dalvin Cook will be able to find a little bit more rushing success than maybe the Bears fans might be anticipating against the Bears defense. But I think Kirk Cousins will also give the defense an opportunity at a turnover or two. But Mitchell Trubisky may do the same thing for the Vikings defense. And I think people sleep on how good this Vikings defense still is. So uh, I'm I'm pretty torn, but I I still find myself leaning Vikings I just think they're at this point we haven't been shown enough proof of the Bears' success and I think the Vikings have been just a little bit better against better opponents whereas the Bears kind of beat up on a really bad Washington team and then you know lost an ugly one to Green Bay and really really struggled with Joe Flacco and the Denver Broncos so I'm in the same boat as you like a a a 14-13 or like a a 17, 14, 16, 9 is probably one of the grossest scores I can possibly think of. So I think I'm right in that same boat for you. But I, ironically, you're picking the Bears. I think I'm leaning Vikings. Okay, one one last question before we go. Overall, let's over under 80% kicking in this game. In terms between, of points? Between scoring? the two teams, over under 4 of 5 on average. Oh, well, you know, the Bears kicker... He's got a leg injury, and so he missed one last week. Oh, hit no. that one, and he was I like, didn't "Know that?" So he he was literally hobbling, walking onto the field with a limp, and then would kick oh. the field goal. He hit four extra points, one field goal, and then field, missed man. a field goal. So I I don't know where he's going to be. It was like a pinched nerve or something that happened during a workout. So I'll say over eighty percent, but not much more. I'm ta- I'm emphatically taking the under. It's of course it's going to be a mess. It's the Bears and Vikings. They're like way in their own heads about this. <laughs> well, Dan Bailey's going to get some opportunities, right? And he's probably going to yeah. miss at least one. And Eddie drives are going to stall in the red zone with these two defenses. Yes, for sure. It is going to be a kicking game. And boy, neither one of these teams is in the best position there. Well, can't wait to watch this this drag them out knuckle fest, and we get to come back and do it again to end the, to end the season for the, like the ninth time in a row. Yeah, I'm. I'd like to mix that up at some point, but it's. I know, right? It's the least, Lions. There, there should be some more stakes on it this year. I think you know. Hopefully, both of these teams can still be in a position by that point in the season to be fighting for something, and we'll have a a real game to be breaking down. It's going to be a weird year. Hey, the important thing is that uh, it's not the Packers, right? Yeah, right. Screw the Packers. Thanks for hanging out, Lauren. Absolutely. 
That was Lauren Cox of Locked On Bears. We'll be talking to him again for Week 17. And Locked On Vikings, we'll talk to you tomorrow more about the Bears. In the meantime, you can find me on Twitter at LukeBronNFL. You can find the show on Twitter at Locked On Vikings. You can find the show anywhere you find your favorite podcasts. And, of course, you can find this show by asking your smart device to play podcast Locked On Vikings. I will see you all tomorrow with an in-depth breakdown of the Chicago Bears. And until then, as always, skull.